0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the first regular season 2022 Shea Station. Jerry, we made it, man. How are you feeling?
1: I feel good. Real good, actually. Um, It's nice to talk about baseball in mid-season. It's glorious. It's nice
0: to talk about real numbers, actual players doing things instead of just owners and speculation yeah. and rumors like we, I feel like a new pod
1: stats that actually go on the back of your baseball card games that matter this is significant Con- considering like we didn't even know if we were going to have a season let alone a 162 game season and now we're three and one with the Mets hell yeah had some exciting things happen and, and we're moving forward so it's all good
0: yeah, so for those who somehow didn't catch it but are listening to the pod, the Mets had a very good start to the season. They started the season on the right foot with three wins and four games against the Washington Nationals. I was in DC myself to catch Max Scherzer's debut, which was electric to say the least, among other things. Obviously there was a little scuffle that we gotta talk about. But I mean where where do we start here, Jerry? Because there is a lot to talk about in the first place. A lot of great performances, a lot of interesting choices. Before we can talk about what the Mets did this glorious weekend, I got to tell you guys about today's sponsor, which is DraftKings. Baseball fans, it's time to step up to the plate with DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of Major League Baseball. New customers can bet just $5 on any team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still take a swing at the stacks of green with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Baseball Contests. New customers can play for free for thousands of dollars in prizes with their first deposit. Pick a lineup of two pitchers and eight batters while staying under the salary cap and rack up points on hits, runs, strikeouts, and more. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, and best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code JOMBOY and bet just $5 and win $200 in free bets if your team wins their game. That's promo code JOMBOY at DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of Major League Baseball. I want to know where you want to start.
1: Well, I want to start with, with two things. One, our starting rotation down to Grom, uh looked great. Tyler McGill. Tyler looked fantastic like beyond hitting 99 um coming up huge picking up the defense with an error getting Juan Soto in a big strikeout very very impressed showed a little bit of emotion yeah like just a bit um which was awesome and then more importantly runners in scoring position hitting that plagued the Mets I feel like for the last decade um they looked great. The lineup looked solid. Shout out to Eric Chavez. Um, you know, I'll give you credit just because you're you're the the coach, but uh everybody looked really solid. I was very impressed.
0: Yeah, I think you you nailed the two key points there. The runners and sorting position numbers were really good until games 3 and 4 that kind of fell off a cliff a little bit. They went 2 for 18 in 3 and 4, but overall 11 for 43 with runners in scoring position. And 43 opportunities is the big eye-opening number there for me because that's a ton of chances to put runners uh, in, a, in a huge way. And, I mean, it really felt like a different cohesive lineup with guys like Mark Canna and Eduardo Escobar in there. They really have already changed the, uh, the function of the Mets lineup, the lineup that fell on its face so much uh, last year. I mean, Eduardo Escobar only had three hits, but all of them were doubles, which I loved. And uh, Mark Canna just looked like an absolute machine out there. He went seven for 10 in the series. But I mean, the starting pitching, I think, really stole the show. I was there for, I guess, what you could call the worst performance out of any four of them, which is kind of interesting, which was Max Scherzer. He went uh, six innings and he gave up three on runs. But Tyler McGill with five shutout innings. Chris Bassett had the best performance, I think, with six shutouts and eight Ks. And then Carlos Carrasco, five and two thirds, one earned run. He got yanked after 72 pitches. But I mean, all these guys picked up the slack where DeGrom wasn't there to take opening day. And it was just really, really encouraging to see as a Mets fan.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think um it's easy. So if do we want to break it down game by game or just Yeah, in I think let's
0: go, let's go game so, by game.
1: Let's let's dive in. Let's get right in there.
0: Yeah. All right. So let's go take it back to opening day, April 7th here. Big 5-1 to one win for our Mets. This is when Tyler McGill took the bump. A lot of people who weren't Mets fans were kind of perplexed that Tyler McGill was on the hill in the first place. They didn't really understand why, but the kids silenced everybody. Five shutout innings, like you said before, picked up the defense, had to get like five real outs in one inning. Uh, took down Juan Soto in a huge way, struck out six, didn't walk a single batter, didn't let up a long ball. Those were really encouraging things for me because those were kind of the things that were sort of kryptonite for Tyler McGill down the stretch last year. And then another big thing that I want to point out is that eight of the nine Mets starting hitters all recorded a hit in this game, some with multi-hit games. Jeff McNeil put up two hits. We're going to talk a lot about him this game, this episode, I mean. And uh, a big 5-1 win to start off the season on the right foot. Tell me about game two.
1: And then, uh, well, I'm just going to make some highlights on game one. So oh, okay. uh, the one guy that didn't get a hit was James McCann, who scored the first run or had the first RBI with the hit-by-pitch. So even though he didn't get a hit, he, uh, he contributed. Um, Robbie Cano looked great. I've been hard on him, and i will continue to be hard on him. But he had a huge bunt against the shift that started everything. Um, he had a huge walk to load the bases with two outs that led to more runs. And he played solid defense, like this this series when he was in. Uh, They had 12 hits, awesome. But Tyler McGill, Tyler stepped up to, like, another level. You know, this was an adrenaline first start of the season, but he was hitting 98-99. He kind of fell back to his normal 94-96 area, which is hilarious that that's normal. Uh, (laughs) But if he becomes that 99 guy, oh, my goodness. You know?
0: I mean, I talked a lot about that. DeGrom development, man. And that's yeah. sort of the change we saw in
1: him too. We've been big fans of him and his kind of demeanor on the mound. The The moment that was a first and third with, with Juan Soto up and he threw a big first pitch changeup for a strike and then punched him out on 98, like up middle and challenged him, blew it right by him. Um, and then he threw the next. He got two outs, first and third after striking out Juan Soto. He fell behind to Nelson Cruz and then threw an absolutely beautiful 2-0 changeup to start that and then got a a ground ball on the very next pitch. But those are two moments for a guy very young. Those are huge moments. Shout-out to Brian McCann – or Brian McCann – James McCann for calling that 2-0 changeup because it was the perfect pitch to set him up. Uh, Just just an awesome first game. Um, Game two, that's Max Scherzer's return versus Josiah Gray. Um, for those New Yorkers that, that watched Garrett Cole get mad about a four minute delay. Uh, this is how a real ACE looks because he handled well, Tell all him of
0: Jerry, it. tell yeah, him
1: Max Scherzer oh. handled all of the, all of the nonsense. There was, there was, a. I was at the game. The, uh, the lights weren't on. Yeah, Talk about, and... talk about the environment. Go for it.
0: It was really strange, like no one in the stadium really knew what was going on. And then I, I, from my seats, I couldn't see the lights that were off. So it kind of just looked like everyone came on the field, came off the field, and nothing was happening. I think it ended up being like a 15 to 20 minute delay. The right field lights weren't on all the way. It wasn't really going to affect the first three innings of the game. It was something that maybe they could have solved on the fly, but that's not really how it works at the highest level. But Scherzer, it didn't look like it faced him at all.
1: It didn't because that's, he is a roll with the punches. Whatever is coming his way, he's going to handle it. And I I want to talk about him first and foremost. So this was basically the worst version of Max Scherzer you're going to see because he didn't have his zip on his fastball, which is very rare. Um, He wasn't pushing it. He wasn't, you know, pedal to the metal kind of, letting it eat like he's going to um, on a full healthy, you know, hamstring and throughout the season, but this shows you how good he can be even when he's not at his best. And that's the difference between a true ace and somebody that's just really good that even, you know, when things aren't, aren't all in his favor, he's not going to bow out. He gave you six strong innings. He didn't have his fastball and he made a, a conceded, like a, an actual, decision after he gave up that home run to Josh Bell to to go away from his fastball because he was battling not only just that that extra jump on it, he was battling his his uh location, like his control, his command of it. And he was couldn't get to that point. And then he eventually just said gave up the home run on another ball that he missed middle. And he said, I'm going away from it. So he threw like 65% fastballs before that. And he only threw eight fastballs after that. So he just, he, he became from a power pitcher to a guy that's going to dice you up with his off speed. And that is what you get from Max Scherzer, the ultimate competitor, even when he's not at his best, he's still one of the best.
0: Yeah. And I think that's like a very veteran adjustment to make on the fly too. And it's not like Scherzer's fastball doesn't have zip. It's just, you know, Josh Bell found it in a really good place and took it for an absolute ride. It also helps that the Mets bats were picking it up behind him. I mean, Jeff McNeil put up three hits in this game, two RBIs. Uh, Let's see. Mark Cannon with another two hits starting Marte with three RBIs. I mean, it's not just one guy doing it, which is what I love about this series. And hopefully the Mets going forward, it's really a team effort here. It almost looks like everybody in the lineup gets a hit. And I think the bullpen had a really good game here as well. Drew Smith looked really good this series. He looked good in this game, struck out two hitters. Seth Lugo grabbed a nice eighth inning there. And it was just like a nice overall team performance. And all these wins, I feel like we're seeing team performances, which is an important thing to push forward as you go through kind of like a tough schedule in April. We're going to talk about uh, who the Mets get next here. The Mets also won game three, though. This was one where uh, the runners in scoring position hitting kind of tailed off a little bit. But it didn't matter too much because of Pete Alonso's huge grand slam, his first homer of the year, the first grand slam of his career, which is really nice. But the uh, the story in Game 3 was Chris Bassett, who looked absolutely incredible. Twice that night, he fell behind 3-0 to some hitters and ended up striking them out, including Juan Soto, which was absolutely huge. 8Ks on the night, only three hits and a walk, no earned runs over six innings. Drew Smith appeared again. Looked great. Joely Rodriguez, new acquisition that some Mets fans were a little bit tepid about. because it led to the uh, the loss of Miguel Castro, but he was uh, four up, four down. Two Ks got Juan Soto out, which was his job. Another, uh, let's see here, two hits for Travis Jankowski, who I really liked in his debut. Two stolen bases as well. That's really a nice piece of uh, weaponry that the Mets bench was missing last year, in my opinion. Nimmo looked good in this game, two for four. Looking healthy again without the stiff neck. And I just think that, like I said before, a lot of team performance here. And we went with a different lineup in all four of these games. A lot of the bench guys were getting involved, which I really enjoyed as well. And uh, overall, just a very happy uh, guy watching that Mets game three.
1: Yeah, game three was good. Um, I just want to give a shout out to Lucius Fox, the young shortstop for the uh, Washington name. Nationals for having possibly the best name in all of sports. Lucius Fox, that sounds amazing. It's made he sounds up.
0: like a supervillain, honestly.
1: I agree. I agree. And hopefully he's not, I wanted to, here's a, here's a quick point on Lucius Fox. It looked really good. Kyber Ruiz, their catcher that they got um, in, there was a like in the Scherzer trade to to LA looks incredible.
0: He looks like the real deal.
1: He threw out Starley Marte on a stolen base on a, on a just an incredible throw um, a on a die. He only got thrown out seven times last year and 47 stolen bases uh and that was a good jump and he's fast as heck uh and he just threw him out and then he looked amazing at the plate like he had huge hits he hit different pitches he took advantage like I was very impressed with him so that's an eye somebody to keep an eye on in the future um I wanted to to make a point on this lineup how deep our lineup is we are guys like our lineup hits mistakes Eddie Escobar uh Starling Marte uh these guys josiah gray had an amazing breaking ball and he hung one pitch and it was an rbi double like he just anytime that somebody makes a mistake this lineup top to bottom can take advantage of a mistake and that's what we were missing last year guys that were stuck in their whatever their their mode but uh we've capitalized on some mistakes in the in this series
0: and I feel like it's a big thing for just keeping the chains moving, which is going to be the crux of the Mets offense this year. Like we we mentioned a lot in the offseason, there's not a huge bat behind Pete Alonso, but there are a lot of great contact hitters in this lineup that can keep the line moving. And I said this in, in something that I tweeted last night, and it's great that the big guys are doing well, like Alonso's grand slam. Lindor hit a home run yesterday but it's the guys like McNeil and the guys like Mark Canna, whereas if they have great seasons where they can hit 300 and get runners in when they're in scoring position, that will make all the difference in this Mets lineup. Not the guys that are already doing it, the guys that can do it more.
1: Yep. So that's, so Cano looked better than I thought he would. He still didn't look like he had that, that extra pop that we were hoping for from like a Schwarber, but he looked good. He took advantage of some situations, played some small ball with that bunt on the shift. Perfect. Um, Jeff McNeil looks like Jeff McNeil, like from 2019, Jeff McNeil. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but like, he's getting me excited, Jerry. Yeah. And he looked more mature, which I've been hard on him for, because there were some moments he did toss his bat down, but that's, that's playing with emotion, which I am all for. Right. Uh, he didn't get too crazy, but he, he took what was given to him. He put the ball in play. Didn't try to do big damage he didn't have that uppercut swing he blooped the ball over shortstop on purpose like he hit the ball up the middle a couple of times and on that home run that he hit on his birthday which is two in a row he kept it it was a good fastball up and in on a lefty which is a spot that you want to be able to go and he kept his hands in and and that was a good piece of hitting man he looks really good Um, Drew Smith looked incredible I was I haven't seen Jolie Rodriguez pitch very much uh, I was very impressed. He had that really good sinker. He got uh, Soto to ground out and then he dominated the righties. He had that good changeup, that good fastball and uh, a, a solid slider. I was impressed. So um, all the pieces look pretty good so far.
0: Yeah, man. All the new Mark pieces. Canna probably
1: saw 2000 pitches, walked a couple times, had some big hits. Oh, yeah. um, very impressed.
0: And then uh, game four was uh, kind of a dud here. I mean, one that we had the lead in and kind of let go late. Kind of felt like an old Mets loss, in my opinion, but still overall an encouraging series.
1: Yeah, yeah. And uh, Cookie Cresco again, looked really good. This, this lineup and their, their rotation and pitching is not the best. And they're, they're in a rebuild, but they have really good pieces in, in Soto, Nelson Cruz, and um, Josh Bell those three in the heart of their order um, are big boppers and they're going to do some damage against anybody, but, and their lineup has some holes in it, but our guys looked really good. Cookie Carrasco looked great. He gave up that home run in the first, which was kind of, you know, telling. Uh, it's, it's a thing, <laughs> but he looked sharp. He had good, good movement on his ball. Like he looked like the cookie of old.
0: Yeah. I think that's the biggest takeaway from this game. Obviously, like you can chalk it up to the errant throw from Pete on the double play ball, but you need to score more than two runs if you want to win. But when you get a performance like that out of a guy that you're not really sure what you're going to get, Cookie Carrasco is kind of a wild card. When he gives you five and two thirds and one earned run, strikes out five, and like regains his composure after a shaky first, that's a really encouraging sign for me. And I'm going to, we're going to talk later about Taiwan Walker going tonight against the Phillies. If the four and five guys can step up and, you know, hold up that production that you know, you're going to get from year one through three, that changes the whole outlook of this Mets starting rotation. I think it's a really good first step for cookie. Obviously it's not the greatest lineup in the world, but you do have to go through Soto Cruz and bell at least twice. If you want to turn in a good start. So I think that's like a proving moment for cookie
1: Carrasco. I I agree. Um, And then in Max Scherzer's subpar outing, he came out in that sixth inning against, against Soto uh, Cruz and, um, uh, Josh Bell, those three, he got, Oh, he went one, two, three, Walked Soto on like six pitches, but then got a double play and a strikeout. That was the biggest moment of that game because he made the bullpen. He didn't have to make the bullpen face them twice. And he ate it up and he went one, two, three, like just that, just, that's what Max Scherzer does. Even when he's not at his best, he can get the best out. Um, I wanted to touch on on what Buck Showalter already has established himself as a true leader of this team. Uh, there's two things. One is how he handled the hit by pitches that led to kind of the benches clearing. He spoke about it in Game One, and he said, "You know, that's guys are upset. You know, we we that shouldn't happen because McCann got hit. What would have been right in his face if he didn't get in his shoulder in the way. Um, he got hit again in that game, and then they hit." Pete Alonso in the face in the in the C flap, luckily on his helmet, uh, and they talked about it. They were angry. Then the next game, uh, you know, Francisco Lindor gets hit in the face in the same C flap. Luckily, they both are wearing the helmet with the extra bar that comes down, uh, and the bench is cleared. and And Buck Showalter was the first one out there, and he made a good point in his post game. If you guys aren't listening to him talk in the post game, uh, understandably because it's late listen to it after the game or the next day, and you're going to get an open book about how he feels about the game. He's so smart and he's so well-spoken and he he gives you what's going on. And so he talked about why they ran out and the other, you know, the the nationals stood their ground and they were like, look, we didn't do it on purpose. But what Buck Showalter says was it doesn't matter that it wasn't on purpose intent after that doesn't make, it doesn't mean anything because you did it twice, almost three times in, in three games. And so the bench is cleared. He said, look, at this point, if you can't handle it, we're not going to stand for it. And so that brought the whole team together. Lindor afterwards spoke about how awesome he felt being, how proud he was to be a New York Met because he turned around and he sees the whole entire team from the bullpen to everybody, coaching staff, had his back there. And he, when he was going down into the tunnel, they caught some audio and he says, I see you guys, I appreciate every one of you. He said it on his way to get x-rays, and then he spoke about it in his post game. that was the biggest thing uh I saw how Buck led the way, um showing that the Mets have some gusto. you're not going to push us around, but he also kept it within the the realm of being uh, cool headed so it was it was awesome to see both. What was your reaction to that?
0: yeah, i mean i I was there for that game, so it was absolute pandemonium in the stadium, the longest inning of the game for sure, and I just think that. Having because Cano was out there on the front lines as well with Buck, they were the first two people that I saw out there on the field. And like having that veteran presence is something that's been missing from the Mets for a long time. Uh, and I think that I don't want to throw I, I was uh, a Luis Rojas. I, I, I love Luis Rojas. I, I love Luis Rojas. I have nothing against the guy. But that is not the kind of thing that I thought I would see from him as a manager. Uh, of the Mets this season. Whereas Buck, I think, has really turned my opinion of him so quickly in the first series of the season. I'm fully open to admitting that I was wrong about having any wary feelings about Buck stepping in here because this is the kind of guy that the Mets need leading the charge. I mean, even if you watched on the broadcast, especially during the first game, so many shots of Buck just talking to Lindor, talking to his players, getting their mentality going forward. And you mentioned that his post-game comments are always some of the best and really let you peer into the Mets clubhouse. And that's something that we're going to be afforded all season long, not in just, you know, moments of, heightened intensity like that scuffle but in moments of you know low points in the Mets season where we really want to know what's going on with the team what they're struggling with and I think Buck is going to be the perfect way to to gauge a perspective into that clubhouse which is important for Mets fans there was a lot of things that we didn't know last year between Rat Raccoon and all the other uh, player issues that were going on we were kind of left in the dark and I think having a guy that's willing to be the face of the good and the bad of the Mets is really, really important. So I'm excited for Buck Walter. I feel like he was like a star
1: of this series, which is I, cool. I agree. I, I feel the same way about Buck. And I, 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 I want to give uh, Louis Rojas a break here because not only did he deal with a, a down couple of years, but he also dealt with the pandemic. So there was no interaction with the media. You're standing in front of a computer, you know, it's different. There's no feel. There's no relationships being built there for your first time as a manager. Who and you're already kind of a soft-spoken human. You don't. You're not building a relationship, and so there's this. It's just a barrier. So I, I wanted to give him a break, but I was so impressed. And again, if you're a Mets fan, listen to Buck Walter's post-game conferences because you're going to see and feel for what is really happening because he is hyper aware at all times on what's going on. He is fully in on those moments and nothing's too big. It's like, it was, it was beautiful on the other side of that in game four, he's going to get a lot of, you know uh, he left chase and Shreve in there for a third up down. So he came in, got it out, went back out for another in and got one, two, three, and then came back out for another lefty and gave up a hit, which led to Trevor Williams. I, he wanted to get everybody in, so he brought Trevor Williams in. He, he talked about it the whole series, and I, I love it. I'm okay with the fact that he didn't go to his horses in the back because, you know, RIP to to uh, Sugar Diaz's uh, abuelo. His, you know, he lost his grandfather, so he was on bereavement um so he wasn't down there but he wanted to get guys in get their feet wet get everybody a chance to hit pitch that's what you need at this point in the season because there's going to be long gaps but uh the only one i don't mind him bringing in trevor williams because he needed and we can talk about that a little bit pete alonso also made two bad plays defensively one on a double play that would have ended it another one on a throw home on a on a safety squeeze where he could have got him out. Um, but he just he didn't do it smooth enough he should have got him out knowing that it's a fast runner Uh, he came charging in gloved it transferred it to his arm and then went underneath so that's either got to be for a glove straight to it from from the ground or to your hand in an overhand throw because he he threw it high so he could he made two bad plays on their big inning that cost us in the eighth Um, I, I the only one I wasn't sure about and this this could be a thing that happens for Chase and Shreve throughout the year uh, is him going out for that third, that sitting down in the dugout uh, for two times. It's just a different beast. And so um, those are the two big moments for me where Buck got everybody in, you know, but he also did it on purpose. Like it wasn't without thought.
0: It's kind of two sides of a coin because I do love that Buck, Trusts his guys so early in the season. And like you said, he wanted to get everybody in. And Trevor Williams did pitch well. I don't think that that inning was his fault by any means. I do think it was the fault of the defense. I think that what I want to see more is more substitution play with Buck. I think that maybe Dom should have been playing first at that moment. Maybe he should have been playing first the whole game. That's a whole nother discussion. I think a, a thing that I loved about Louis Rojas is that he was not afraid to, you know, put in those defensive subs in the eighth inning and have them out there. <laughs> For guys like Lugo and Diaz, we saw Guillorme in the 8th and ninth inning almost exclusively last season other than some pinch running attempts. And I think that those are the kind of things that would have helped maybe save game four and give us a four-game sweep. Obviously, you can't have everything, and I think taking three or four is a really encouraging step for the 2022 Mets. But those are the kind of losses that you can't have. And I think a loss like this that gets maybe placed in September instead of April is way under a magnifying glass rather than it is uh, where it is right now. So I think that you know we can nitpick all we want and Buck did a lot of things right this series that I want to uh, heighten as well but that 8th inning was a mess and a very ugly watch for uh, for Mets fans.
1: I'm not I'm not ready to say he made a poor choice and I don't want to see I don't want to see those defensive substitutions that fast in in the beginning of the season. I want to see Pete Alonso out there. This is going to make him better because he is the type of guy that's going to be like I need to work on that specific play to to home. Because the throw, he he babied the throw. So he'll go and and, and let those rip next time because he he short armed it. Um, but the play at home, he's gonna go practice that. He's gonna take slow rollers on a squeeze play and he's gonna fix those issues. And that's gonna make him better down the line because you're it's gonna happen in the fourth or fifth inning when you don't have Dom out there and he needs to be able to do it over a long series. So um great great series in general. Uh, very happy with everybody involved. Um Shout out to friend of the pod, Drew Smith. He looked amazing. That cutter he it. is a nasty slider, like filth. So uh, I'm very happy. His changeup looks solid. It's going to keep coming along. Um, just just a great <laughs> – I mean, obviously you're facing the, the Nationals, and we're about to go into Philly and face a team that really thinks they can tend, and we're going to get their best. We're going to get Ranger Suarez. We're going to get Zach Wheeler, and we're going to get Aaron Nola. They're one, two, three, hands down. Uh, and their lineup can hit, man.
0: Yeah, I mean, if we get the type of hitting performances we saw from this series, then I think we have a real shot to win it. I mean, we saw Jeff McNeil go seven for 16, a homer, three RBIs, two walks. Mark Cannon went seven for 10, two RBIs, three walks. That's what he does. He gets on base. Pete Alonso, four for 14, a double and a home run. And then even the, the guys that we mentioned before that are kind of on the back burner, Robbie Cano went three for 11, had a big two run single. He was huge in the series. Travis Jankowski in his only start two for four, two stolen bases to add onto that and a walk. I mean, this lineup top to bottom can compete with the rest of the NL East. In my opinion, obviously the crux of the Phillies uh, threatening aura is going to be their lineup though. Kyle Schwarber at the top was tormented the Mets. Reese Hoskins has had some huge moments against the Mets. Haven't even mentioned Bryce Harper, who won MVP last season. This is a lineup that needs to come through big because the pitching, I think won't be as spotless as it was against the nationals. That's for sure.
1: Yeah. So we're going to get, uh, we're going to get their The one of the best lineups in baseball. So Kyle Schwarber leading off the big lefty pop, the, the Met killer, everybody's aware probably going to get Gene Segura batting second. The, the strong hitting, you know, Uh, righty batting veteran then you're going to get the reigning mvp who looks every bit that he's trying to repeat he looks solid in bryce harper and then you get one of their new big bopper signees uh nick castellanos um who signed a big deal for them then you're going to get reese hoskins their big first baseman uh then then it's kind of up in the air a little bit you're going to get probably bryson scott maybe at shortstop a lefty hitter facing our righties um one of their super prospects that they called up. He's looked um, pretty good. He's looked pretty good. I got to admit. Uh, then you might get old, you know, Atlanta, brave, Johan Camargo at third base. You might get, you know, Dee Alec Bohm. Who knows? I think you're probably going to get Camargo, you know, being that switch hitter um, who's, who's done well against the Mets in the past. Then you're going to get Garrett Stubbs probably behind the bait, uh, the plate, a left-handed hitting catcher, probably going to get GAT Real Muto who's, <laughs> the best catcher in the game i think still Ooh, um spicy then you got who do, Who do you think's better than ria muto
0: i think yasmani uh, has a real case there i think yasmani the, yeah with the 400 on base he's not a great uh defensive catcher can throw out a runner but i, yeah, I like that's yasmani. what, uh,
1: that's what uh, i'm adding in the 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 behind defense
0: the and too. speed i get it I get
1: yeah it. yeah then you get yeah that matt veerling and center field possibly you know, right-handed hitting center fielder, good defense. They've they've also got um, Odubel Herrera signed back with them, but I think he might be on the DL. He's on the IL. Yeah. On the IL, that's still a thing that I haven't changed over like three years since it's been um, You're in the league,
0: man. I get it. You are on the DL. It makes sense.
1: This is this is going to be the battle right here. The second series in the in in the season, we're facing three really good pitchers and a great lineup. And so this is going to be a lot more telling than us what facing a rebuilding Washington Nationals team.
0: Yeah, this is the the first real test of the year. Uh, I think that uh game game 1 is going to set the tone here. Uh game 1 we're sending taiwan Walker to the bump for his first start of 2022. He had some shaky moments in spring training and you're facing off against a really good lefty in Ranger Suarez who we haven't seen a ton of. And these Phillies have hit really well against Taiwan Walker. Alec Boehm is four for 10 with a home run. JT Real Muto, three for eight with a home run. Gene Segura, three for 10 with a home run. And we mentioned in our PPP for Taiwan Walker that Taiwan Walker's kryptonite last season was the long ball. And Citizens Bank Park is a bam box. If, si- if Taiwan can give you, I think, five innings and two earned runs, I think you take that to the bank with a well-rested bullpen that can kind of carry you the rest of the way. The question for me is, can Taiwan get there? Can he give you a quality outing in his first go of the year? And can the Mets hit Ranger Suarez? I mean, last season we were not great against left-handed pitching, and you're facing off against a guy with a really good sinker here, a guy that'll get you to roll over and hit into a lot of double plays, which the Mets also had trouble with. There's not a ton of Mets with great numbers against Ranger, and Ranger is just the first of a three-headed monster That the Mets will have to face in this Phillies series. So, Game One, I think, is probably the most important of the series, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, I think you 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 also touched on how good Ranger Suarez is. Um, A lot of people don't know the name or don't remember it or underplay him. He really will soon. He's established to be their one of their big three. He I saw some people pick him for dark horse uh, as Cy Young, like he's a he's like last year. I'm going over his numbers: thirty nine games, but he had twelve starts. 106 innings pitched, gave up 73 hits. He had a one, three, six ERA, not a huge strikeout guy, but he had 107 and 106 innings. Like,
0: yeah, the Phillies just used him everywhere. He was the closer for a little bit. He was a left-handed reliever. And then they finally decided, Hey, let's just throw him in the rotation. If he's pitching this well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it looks like that's, he looks like, cause he's got that true sinker. He doesn't give up many hits. Um, and his strikeout number spiked last year. So if he is going to be a ground ball pitcher with a strikeout, like he's he's got a chance to be really dangerous. So this truly is going to be, we're facing three of the best pitchers in baseball. Their bullpen supposed to have gotten better, but we'll see because it is Philly. I don't know about that. Guys tend to get their careers ruined. It's like going to Colorado. If you're a bullpen guy, you go to Philly and your career gets crushed. Hopefully that trend continues, but we'll see.
0: Yeah, when they faced off against the A's in their first series, they surrendered a 5-1 to lead because of that bullpen. They ended up winning the game, but that is kind of the telling sign of the Phillies pitching, like their weakness, because if you don't get through Ranger Suarez in the Phillies' bullpen, you have Zach Wheeler in Game 2, who absolutely terrorized the Mets last year, including that fantastic complete game shutout he threw at Citizens Bank Park. We're sending out Tyler McGill. McGill looked good against the Phillies last year, serviceable, and some Mets have some pretty good numbers against Wheeler, but... Taking game one is very, very important because game two the odds are very much against our Mets in my opinion.
1: This is Zach Wheeler's first start of the spring. They they wanted to give him a little rest. He had some shoulder fatigue going into spring training, uh, so they're this is his debut. Um, I think he should have – I would have voted for Zach Wheeler to win the Cy Young last year because – You're an innings guy. I get it. Uh, well, I think it factors in, especially, you know, not just in innings. How many – I don't know. It was like 50 more innings. Something crazy. Yeah,
0: it was It was a lot more than Corbin Burns. I think 40 was the range.
1: 40. That's incredible. That's at a huge – that's not because – they didn't miss any time. That's just how much more of an impact he had on his team season – you know, because the bullpens, whatever the case may be, I, I thought Zach Wheeler should have won the Cy Young. Um, but he's a great pitcher. He is a Cy Young candidate. And then you got Aaron Nola, who was a Cy Young candidate a couple of years ago, who has a great curveball. And we saw what Josiah Gray did when he located his curveball, he carved up the Mets. Um, so we're, we've got our work cut out for him. And then their lineup is is designed to hit bombs. And so they're going to they're going to make some splash plays and and this is this is the test. This is the true test. I mean,
0: we have some Mets with good numbers. JD Davis, he'll probably get a start in this game in my opinion. He's 5 for 13 with a homer and 4 RBIs against Wheeler. Lindor's 4 for 12, Nimmo 7 for 25, Dom's 8 for 20. There are guys that have hit Wheeler in the past, but Wheeler has become a different beast uh since 2021 and he's going to be really fresh for this game. It's his first start of the season. Game three is going to be uh, Scherzer versus Aaron Nola. Aaron Nola had a historic game against the Mets last year that we actually ended up winning, which is pretty funny in retrospect. And Scherzer has had a really good track record against the Phillies, especially last year, 22 innings pitched against Philly, a 1.23 ERA and 28 strikeouts uh, in that span. So recently Scherzer has been good against the uh, the Phillies here. Nola has also been good, though, 20 innings pitched, 2.25 ERA, a 1.2 whip and 33 Ks against the Mets in 2021. It's probably going to be another one of these pitching duels. Alonso has some good numbers here, 10 for 29 with three home runs. McNeil and Nimmo have also been pretty good as well. I think Jeff McNeil is going to be a big piece here. He kind of has good numbers against all three of these pitchers, except for Ranger. He hasn't faced him too much, but McNeil looked really good against the Nationals. I think the Mets are going to need him again this series.
1: Yeah. If McNeil looks like he, the McNeil of old, like he has, it doesn't matter who's on the mound. Cause he's going to, he's going to put the ball in play and, and push them around because as good as their lineup is, and as good as those starting three pitchers are, their defense is atrocious. Oh yeah. Um, that's how they designed it. Um, if you guys remember a couple of years with the Mets where they get, got rid of defense for offense and it didn't work out well for, for those Mets, including while I was there. Um, yeah, so Jeff McNeil is designed to beat up on teams like that because he can just put the ball in play. And maybe it's too early to say, but I feel like the
0: 2021 Phillies are very reminiscent of the 2019 Mets in a way. I feel like the 2019 2022? Mets... 2022. I keep saying okay. 2021, man. I'm stuck in the past. Um, but these guys can mash. The 2019 Mets mashed for a long period of time, but defense plagued them and bullpen plagued them in a huge way down the stretch, to the point where the Mets weren't able to make the playoffs. And I just think if you can really attack these Phillies weaknesses, because this is a Mets team that puts the ball in play and keeps the train moving, not a lot of strikeouts in that first uh, four games there against the nationals. I think if you can do the same thing against the Phillies and just put yourself in opportunities to succeed or opportunities for them to fail more like, I think that you'll probably have some success in this series.
1: I think so too. Um, I'm excited. This is going to be, this is going to be, you know, some, some big games. Uh, and some tests for some guys. So.
0: Yeah. And I think, um, the big things that we, we pointed out earlier that I think need to translate into this Philly series is the numbers with runners and scoring position. Jerry has vanished. I'm sure he'll come back. Don't I'm worry. Guys. I had to
1: plug my laptop in before. He's back. He's back. I'm back.
0: Oh, okay. Uh, 11 for 43. Yeah, people
1: on the pod don't know that you didn't have to tell them.
0: Hey, I'm sorry, man. Well, people listening <laughs> didn't know, but the people on video were scared that you just vanished. Um, our Mets had seven two-out RBIs in this series, which was huge. And a thing that we did not do a lot last year was come up in the clutch. Uh, 11 for 43 with runners in scoring position. That's an okay number. It was really much better in the uh, the first two games here. And I think just better defense. I think we looked a little shaky in the first four games. Alonso had some tough plays there uh, in game one and game four. Lindor had two errors, which was shocking to me as well. But I think it's just first series jitters. I think those yep, are things again. That the Mets will get over.
1: Lindor's going to play great defense. Um, His pitchers picked him up uh, both times, I believe. And so, you know, that's what's going to happen.
0: And also Mets bullpen, 12 and a third innings, two earned runs, nine hits, three walks, 12 Ks. This is a well-rested Mets bullpen uh, as well. These are guys that didn't have to throw a lot in the series because the starters were giving them, you know, six innings every time out. And Buck was able to use everybody, including guys like Sean Reed Foley and Trevor Williams. Diaz will come back fresh. He's been on bereavement list. Lugo only went twice, I believe. Smith only went twice. So these are guys that are going to be able to go, especially if, you know, things don't go well for Taiwan Walker or Tyler McGill in games one and two.
1: Yeah. I'm not sure when we're expected to get Edwin Diaz back. Um, You know, it's typically like a three day thing like they do for, you know, paternity leave. They give you three days to see some family and whatever, but I'm sure if he needs extra days, they'll, they'll extend that. Um, you know, just hope his family's okay and he's doing all right. Um, but this will be, this will be a, a fun series. I'm excited to watch some baseball here.
0: Jerry, who is your biggest X factor in the Mets lineup for this series? Who do you think will make the most difference if they perform well?
1: So there, there's two guys here for me that are the biggest difference. It could be Mark Canna who absolutely looked every bit like the guy that we signed took, took a lot of pitches, put the ball in play had some pop. Uh, But for me, and especially because that last half of the lineup, it's Jeff McNeil. If he stays in that seven, eight hole uh, and does what Jeff McNeil has been doing and what we've seen him do in the past, he is going to make that lineup so deep and he's going to punish those pitches. Uh, So I think if Jeff McNeil continues, he's going to be an absolute game changer.
0: And I really like him in the eight hole. I kind of hope he stays there, even though he's hot, because I feel like it just stretches out the length of the Mets lineup, which is so important.
1: I agree. And if his maturity level stays as high as it has been, like, again, I've been so impressed. It's only four games, and it's only the beginning of the season, and he's hitting really well. So it's easy to be a good teammate when things are going well. Um, But if if his ego doesn't get in his way, and he's okay batting eighth, even though he's going to – you know, if he's batting, you know, 330 like he was, the, it just it's better for the team at that point. I think if in depth of lineup and turning that lineup over, he, he's a game changer to have that in, in the eighth spot.
0: Yeah. I'm going to go in a little bit of a different direction here. And I'm going to say that I think Eduardo Escobar needs to have a big series. We saw a lot of table setting in the last series. Like you mentioned, Mark Canna and Jeff McNeil. I loved watching Mark Canna just take an at bat and work a walk. It's one of my favorite things. I'm very happy he's a Met. But we need a guy to slug behind Pete Alonso. It wasn't originally supposed to be Eduardo Escobar, in my opinion. I thought a bigger bat would be brought up uh, through free agency or something like that. But Eduardo Escobar, he had three hits in the series, and all of them were doubles. And we need a guy to clear the bases when the table is set. Obviously, it's an important note to keep the line moving and stuff like that. But these, this Phillies lineup is built on their slugging numbers. These guys mash. They hit home runs. They hit doubles and they clear the bases when there's runners on. Either that or they're striking out. So it's one of the two. They're kind of like a boomer bus bust kind of lineup, whereas we're more smooth sailing, in my opinion, a lot of good on-base numbers. But if Eduardo Escobar, in the middle of this Mets lineup, he was batting fifth and sixth a lot, if he can come up in these RBI situations behind Pete Alonso and pick him up when he falters, that is a huge difference maker, in my opinion, and something that, you know, coming from a switch hitting perspective where he can attack hitters uh, or attack pitchers, regardless of who's on the mound is going to make a huge difference for the Mets. Cause it can't always be Mark canna going seven for 10 and getting on base 11 times in a series. It can't always be Jeff McNeil regaining 2019 form. It's going to need to be other guys as well. So I have Eduardo Escobar pegged as my guy that I'm going to keep an eye on against the Phillies. Yeah.
1: I, I, I like, uh, I like Eddie Escobar there. I think I was impressed with him. He kind of got carved up a little bit. Um, okay. They pitched him really well, but he took advantage. He had three doubles, like he he he's mashing. Two seventy three with a nine seventy four OPS in a game in a in a series where you know he didn't have his most effective. But what he did, I mentioned earlier, was take advantage of some hanging breaking balls and some balls left over the middle, and that's what you need behind behind uh, Pete Alonso because they're if if he's not. If they pitch around Pete Alonso, they have to attack whoever's behind him, and he's going to get pitches to hit. And so far, he's taken advantage of it. And so it's good to see.
0: Yeah, and um, we uh, we were able to give off days to Nimmo and Marte and Canna and Cano all in the Nats series, so they'll be fully rested, I think, for this. I think we're probably going to need Nimmo and Marte out there pretty much every game here because we're going to need as much offense as possible. Also, eight Mets relievers were used, but as I mentioned before, Buck was able to stretch out the bullpen and keep them well rested. So I think they'll be good to go as well. I'm really optimistic about this Mets series. I feel like it's going to tell us a lot about the early goings of the 2022 season because the Mets kind of don't have an easy April here. They got some tough matchups coming up. Kind of a relief next weekend uh, against the Diamondbacks. I'll be there for one of those games as well. Um, but it, it, it's a big it's a big series.
1: Yeah. Um, I'm not going to put too much weight on it, but I will. It'll be. I, I'm more I'm on, from a pitching standpoint to see how they handle the this lineup uh, or at least how they attack them is going to be telling. But this is a long season. This is only a three game series. We are facing their best. Uh, I just want to see guys put together good A-Bs and uh, from a pitching side, I want to see them attack. So,
0: yeah, I mean, it's going to be a story of. If Taiwan Walker can hack it like the rest of the Mets starters have, it's going to be a story of, will Zach Wheeler dominate us like he used to? And can Scherzer really bring it? I know he was impressive in his first start, really rebounded well, but I think we need a Scherzer-esque start in game three. Against yeah, a tough so I, lineup. Think,
1: <laughs> I think what we're, so when Wheeler's pitching, what I'm looking for is our lineup to, to battle. To to get his pitch count up to get him out after five, I think is the goal. Even if you get shut out by by Zach Wheeler, if you get him out by five, that's a win because you're going to get to that bullpen. So exactly,
0: I feel like that's a really important point to make too. Just in general with all these starters, you want to get to the bullpen and exhaust them as much as you can.
1: Yep, that's the key. You know, they're this is they're these are the three best starters they have, and and who knows behind them. Uh, but this will that'll be the key is to get to that bullpen and so even if your zach wheeler has you know 15 punch outs through five if his pitch counts up that's a win yeah i agree all right all
0: right man how, how are you think we covered it
1: i'm feeling good well you should be feeling good the mets are three and one man Hell yeah you've been you've been Tuesday. to a game what do you think in dc
0: Oh, I love D.C. D.C. is it was a lot of walking. So I'm a little sore on my legs. Not going to lie.
1: I mean, you're you live well. you live in Jersey, but you're talking about walking. New York City is a walking city.
0: Oh, yeah. But I am I feel like I'm conditioned to it at that point, you know, but like did some sightseeing, saw the Smithsonian Museums, obviously caught Scherzer's game. That was a lot of fun. Met some cool people. Um, it was just it was a really pretty city. Absolute hell to drive in though i don't know what's going on with maryland drivers i don't know what's going on down there what's in the water you guys gotta look when you merge you gotta look no they don't you know they no, don't no. it's See, insane that's what i
1: tell people i tell people you new york city new york city is a hard to drive in um but i'll choose but the drivers that. are
0: good you know like they know what they're uh, well doing. they're
1: they're all the same that's the key they're all they all drive in the same manner and it's all super aggressive as long as you go with the flow you'll be just fine uh, and even if you get into an accident, it's usually just a bumper or a mirror uh, in DC. You, you, got, you got exits on the left, on the right, in the middle. You have diplomatic immunity left and right that nobody has to care about any, any laws because they're going to get out of it. It's chaos. I would 100% rather drive in New York City on a day-to-day basis than DC or Atlanta because that's, that's a, another level of scary.
0: I think that's what our listeners want to hear, Jerry. I think that's a good note but, to leave off.
1: <laughs> but also, DC—if you get a chance, it's beautiful. The all the museums that are free, the the monuments, like it's wonderful to take a family. Right now, they have the um, the cherry blossoms, which are just By the way, their City Connect jerseys and hats are fire. Yeah, I
0: I kind of wish—I'm not gonna lie—I kind of wish it was black and pink, not gray and pink. And that's just me.
1: I'm okay with with I like the gray. I don't like the WA There's something
0: about a gray home jersey. It just feels I, wrong. Yeah, to I it, agree with but that, I mean, but
1: they're still fire. Their hats are incredible. Maybe, maybe the best I've ever seen on the major league baseball field, as far as not your typical hats. Um, those are incredible. By far the best that they've come up with. The South Side Chicago, the White Sox City Connect jerseys are are great. These are amazing. Like they're they're awesome and the, the cherry blossoms are, are beautiful you know i'm a big fan of of japan and and the whole back and forth there so of course uh dc is a great city to take your family uh go see a mets game down in dc it, it, it's easy to do take a hop on the amtrak take a train whatever the case may be uh worth going to
0: absolutely i agree all right, man. I think I think we're all set here. We'll see you guys again on Thursday to check in after the Phillies series and give you more probables. But for the Shea Station crew, I'm Jolly. I am Jericho.
1: Let's go Mets.
0: Let's go Mets, baby.